The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. No mai, hoki mai, kia the Fold, e mihi nei, ko Duncan Greer tokungoa. My guest today is Georgia Rippin, who is a New Zealander, but currently lives in New York and who has just in the last like six months started a new business called Cold Open, that's cold with a K, uh, which is basically exists to solve what's actually quite a pernicious problem and, and ultimately creating a super exciting opportunity. So Cold Open exists to... Be a, it's a it's a business to business marketplace, meaning you know it exists to connect um, makers on one side and and buyers on the other for web series uh, and you know, web series which ultimately will be um, exist as a you know she basically views them as a they're a medium unto themselves but they particularly function as a proof of concept that an idea typically but not always a comedy can be ported up uh, to a, a network or a streaming service show. And Georgia's got a really interesting background. She tells a, an awesome story about her journey into the industry, which is just the most pure example of, of the kind of hustle and, and gumption of, um, of someone from a long way away from the action, trying to muscle their way in, uh, which is worth listening out for. But fundamentally, she she came from New Zealand, went to New York and, and got, uh, got worked her way into this, this very competitive uh, environment that is, that is uh, television. And, you know, her, her point of entry, her interest in the industry came through web series, the likes of Broad City, uh, Workaholics, which she actually went on to, to work on on the studio side. Um, and it was the democratization of it, the fact that you didn't have to be part of the system or know somebody to get in, that if you had enough raw talent and and a brilliant idea and expression of it, that you could you could make that work. And and I think web series were were amazing for for that, for like a small group of people to be able to kind of prove that they could do something. Um and and if you did that, then your chance of, of getting a meeting and, and going on up the chain were, were very much increased. But I think she's right, and she sort of identified this while working there, that that's only sort of half the battle. The other half is actually having the, the relationships, knowing where to take it, knowing who's receptive to it. That that system feels very mysterious and closed and probably by necessity and may always be. But Georgia working at the intersection of those things has, I think, I think it's a really interesting space to be and and you know for those of us in New Zealand with with big ambitions and you just have to look at the you know, the, the likes of Rose Matafeo and um and other New Zealand um comedians and you know, even going back to Flight of the Concords which wasn't a web series but you know probably would have been had it come around a few years later 
this country has got a history of producing brilliant idiosyncratic talent that has to figure out a way to to make it in the world. And I think the fact that there's a New Zealander running this thing, I think is just really super relevant to that whole creative community here that that has brilliant ideas, a lot of ambition, but not necessarily the the connections out, outside of this country. So it's really very much in the weeds. You know, we talk about that, about the the sort of streaming wars and the changing dynamics um, there, which you know, impacted by the broader economy and so on. Uh, so yeah, I think I think it's a it's a real fascinating chat. I'm really uh, appreciative of Georgia making this time. So here is Georgia Rippin from Cold Open with a K on the fold. Kia ora, Georgia, and welcome to the fold. Kia ora, lovely to be here. Um, so could you just tell me a bit about Cold Open? It's such an interesting idea. Like what's what's the what's the pitch? Yeah, so. Cold Open is a B2B marketplace where studio executives come to find web series to make into full-length television shows. And when did you first turn the key on it? Have you have you found the the sort of the industry, like both sides of it, receptive to, to the idea? Yes. Um and this is largely because my idea for the startup came from an issue that I encountered working studio side. Uh, so I was working for Avalon Television, which is one of the television studios in the US that really pioneered this web series to full length series model. Uh, some of our most successful shows came from web series. So Workaholics, which went six seasons on Comedy Central, and then Flatbush Misdemeanors on Showtime, which I was one of the producers on. And we were constantly looking for this web series IP because it scales so well into television shows because of the format. Um, Essentially, development executives are able to look at this mini version of a television show where you're able to see characters develop really efficiently in this episodic nature and have a really great idea if this will scale into long form successfully. But what we often ran into is that there is no discoverability for web series on YouTube because it's basically everything. It's cat videos, blogs. So it's really difficult to unearth this kind of IP that's really valuable in Hollywood. Um, or it's on individual websites where there's almost no chance of you knowing the specific name of a web series. So that was really the issue that I wanted to solve to firstly help studio side, but also solve a problem which I had as a creator as well. Because when I was growing up in New Zealand, I was making a ton of web series and finding that connection to the studio system was something that I always wanted. So uh, yeah, it's really, oh, there's, there's, there's so much to, to unpack there. I mean, because... There are so many things that felt kind of pioneering and democratizing about web series as a medium, both the sort of accessibility of it, but also some of the kind of aesthetic uh, elements which have become incorporated into both, you know, uh, scaled web series like Workaholics, but also into television shows more broadly. What was it that that drew you into that, that sort of scene in the first place? Definitely the democratization of access to the television industry. Um, I was at law school when I was watching a lot of Broad City, the web series, High Maintenance, the web series, and it was really blowing my mind. I really wanted to work in film and TV, but my 
parents and no one in the entertainment, sorry, my parents didn't know anyone in the entertainment industry. I didn't know anyone working there. I felt like I was at the bottom of the world and didn't know how I'd break into America. But I saw these people who similarly also came from outside the entertainment industry and were creating this incredible blueprint that if you just made a really good proof of concept, it didn't matter what connections you had or what school you went to, you could be a creator and showrunner in the film industry and have this incredibly successful career because it was based on merit and not working your way up in the Hollywood system. I, I read a great interview with you on the dirt and, and something that felt quite interesting and in some ways counterintuitive is this idea that the popularity of a web series on whatever its initial platform is, is not particularly instructive about how well it will perform once scaled into a full length series. You know, do you want to just sort of unpack that and, and, you know, sort of explain why you think that, that the initial, the web series is just a perfect development platform, but not necessarily particularly useful as a distribution platform in some respects. Yeah, I think there's two reasons for that. The first is if you just look at history of the web series to full-length series shows that have been successful, these weren't viral successes when they first came out. Broad City, the web series, wasn't breaking the internet. It was sitting at really low, comfortable numbers for that first season. And the same with Flatbush Misdemeanors. Uh, I, I know the creators and they have very widely said that nobody was watching the show when it was a web series. Um, and I think part of that is because the platform that you're on is not necessarily made for the content that you're making with a web series. So with YouTube, the kind of content that goes really viral is content that's specifically made to go viral in YouTube's algorithm. So it has these big graphics on it that are really clickbaity and draws people in the Mr. Beast style kind of hooks. And the same with TikTok. People are creating content for their algorithm that's going to go really viral and boost your follow account. When you're making a web series, you're creating a proof of concept that's meant to scale to full-length television. So it's really not inherently meant for the algorithm. So whether it's successful or not won't really determine its future success off the platform that you're distributing it. And, you know, in terms of the that sort of distribution side I you know I think you've said that that you know TikTok which is obviously the the sort of video platform that is most uh you know ascendant at the moment uh you know has has some kind of factors relating to it which, which make it particularly unsuited to to kind of to, to the web series and that YouTube uh and and probably to a lesser extent Vimeo remain the kind of the best places for it do you want to just kind of unpack that idea a little the way that TikTok is set up structurally is filmed in a vertical manner. And that is the opposite of how television is, which is we consume it horizontally. It's it scale <laughs> it scales from a phone on its phone on its side to a laptop to a television screen. The structure of how a TikTok's viewed is the complete opposite in terms of how we view this media. So creating a proof of concept in TikTok is really difficult for development executives to be able to understand how that would scale 
because visually it doesn't capture the same amount of information and you can't see the characters interacting in a way in which full length television would be. And with development execs, you really have to show them in the easiest way possible, how the proof of concept you're creating is going to scale. You don't want to leave anything to their imagination. In terms of the relationship to, you know, the, the creator economy, though, that, that I think one of the great and, and maddening things about the internet is just everything is happening in an increasingly small number of places. And so you have just, like you said, your, your cat videos and your Mr. <laughs> Mr. Beast and like deep dives into why tunnel light rail is bad sit next to web series and kind of overwhelm them in some respects. When you're like looking at um, web series talent, is there a relationship to the creator economy? I.e. are people who are working on that sort of more kind of classic YouTuber type type area also participants there or that they tend to be quite distinct um groups of people there are definitely creators on cold open um that have crossed over from the creator economy um and i think it is almost a natural next step uh this is just my own forecasting but i think the creator economy is not going to have the same growth that a lot of people are expecting it to, um, especially with some of the economic downturn that we're seeing right now, because a lot of the creator economy is fueled by marketing spend from brands. And I think a natural next step is for them to become creators that scale in a full length medium. And this is not only because it is financially great, but secondly, because I think it's really hard to be a one-man band, which you really are when you're a creator. You're the director, you're the editor, you're the cinematographer. And really creating great art is about a collaborative effort. There's a reason that there's 100 to 150 people on a film set, is that it's really hard to make audiovisual medium with just one person. Um, so I, th- I think that is a trend we're going to see increasing. So in terms of the the people that you've worked with who've gone who've basically made it out through their through the web series and into studio and, and sort of network level productions, how well do the does the experience of creating a um, a finished web series into these these much larger and in some ways more kind of formally uh, pressured productions? It's really the same experience as any first-time creator of a show, which I think is not limited to just the web series genre. Um, I think the benefits of having come from the genre is that you're the one who's the best person to tell the story. You've conceived of the characters, you've conceived of the environment, and you're going to be an incredible steward of the story as it goes to full-length series. Um, I think there, there's a certain aspect of the technicality of suddenly um, becoming an executive producer, which is a credit when you're also the creator of the show, which you get um, in American television. There's a lot of things that you won't know, um, specifically because television sets are unionized in the U.S. and there's so many roles around the Writers Guild of America, SAG. But the, the great thing in is that production companies and studios will set the creators up for success. Um, so they'll pair you with a really experienced showrunner who is kind of like the senior executive producer who oversees you and your co-creator, or if it's just you by yourself, to 
guide you as you're creating your first ever television show. And this is, this is very established practice in America. It was the same, um, Belina Dunham and her first season of girls. Uh, she did that when she was 25, uh, which also came from a web series. Um, and she was paired with Jenny Connor who really helped her and stewarded her through that process. I remember listening to an interview where she talked about interviewing first ADs who are kind of like the managers of the set. And she said in her interview questions, please tell me what a first AD does. So <laughs> obviously there, there was a lot of, there was a lot of gaps, but um, she was paired with someone really experienced to be able to help her through that process. So obviously one of the defining elements of a web series is, is a, a level of constraints, like the, the, the budget is whatever it is. And there is a, a kind of a found resourcefulness that is the only way that you can get the the thing made, which has led to a kind of a, a web series aesthetic in some respects. Do you, know, do you want to, which, which has weirdly poured it up into the shows, you know, even as the budgets um, might have expanded. Do you want to talk about, you know, that, that the way that those kind of, uh, you know, artificial constraints have, have led to a kind of, you know, an aesthetic that we're actually increasingly familiar with through through uh, those those kind of scaled web series. I think a lot of the beauty of the web series does stem from these constraints, and it's actually a really cool time in America right now. Um, in the past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of articles out in Deadline where our studios have been talking about the fact that they're now changing their mandates and really looking for these kind of constrained television shows, which are very influenced from the web series movement. Um, so I think it was yesterday that Warner Brothers was talking about that they're really looking for hard comedy and these kind of syndicated serialized shows, which really fit within the web series genre. So like the workaholics, like the South parks, like the always, it's always sunny. And I think recurring ca characters with a very small ensemble cast, uh, this is what we see in Broad City. Um, so it's really just Abby, Alana. Um, we see Alana's brother. We also see Hannibal Barras. And we see those characters recur again and again. And that is obviously very influenced by the fact that when you're making a web series, the highest priority is getting people to show up to probably work for no money or very little. So you keep that ensemble cast really small and it's really beneficial at web series level, but also when you scale to being a network television show, because when someone gets elevated to a recurring cast member, it also impacts the budget and you have to be really careful about the number of people that you're writing into the TV show. If you start off the television series like The Simpsons with about 50 people in a universe, it's really hard to keep that show going because it's very unsustainable from a budgeting perspective. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Skinny are helping you show how smart you are with the 1Q Quiz, an all-new, super-challenging and super-quick daily quiz built by The Spin-Off. Every Monday, Skinny are giving you the chance to prove you're smart with the Skinny Extra Credit question. Get it right, and you'll get the chance to score yourself some Skinny Extra mobile credit so you can text, call, or even video call your group chat and gloat about how big your brain is. 
T's and C's apply. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. The other thing that that kind of um, that that sort of strikes me about this this moment because there, there felt like there was a real boom in web series around the time you know that Broad City, Workaholics, uh, High Maintenance, and so on came out, and then in some respects, like like you know as you say that the 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 process kept going, but that that sort of this will change the world, and that that's the that's the nature of all media is that they have a have a a moment and then people just start to kind of understand them. they become incorporated into the system to a certain extent. But this period that we've come through with just increasingly elaborate kind of mega productions and the cost of money being nothing, you know, felt like it it sort of leaned away from the, you know, a lot of what made web series attractive to to studios and networks in the first place. You know, is is the there a kind of a paradoxical upswing coming potentially and that that some of that kind of bootstrappy elements of of how you can make entertaining tv for much less money versus the kind of you know the the huge scale productions which have have really uh you know dominated the last few years of the early streaming wars you know is is is, is are things looking up for, for places like cold open i guess is what i'm asking <laughs> of course things are looking up for cold open. <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, yes, no, 100%. Um, so I think it was David Zaslav, who is currently the head of HBO, said late last year that what they're really looking for at Warner Brothers Discovery is to create TV shows that give them sticky viewers. So people who are coming onto the platform and want to keep rewatching that kind of content. And he even noted that Euphoria, while one of the most successful shows for HBO, is actually not that kind of show because it's incredibly expensive to make. It's shot on film. Um, they film for, for a really long time. And it's not one of those syndicatable, rewatchable shows such as a Seinfeld or um, The Office, which, if anything, are the most similar to web series shows because they're really character-driven. They're cheap locations, recurring, um, and really scrappy kind of style of filming. The other incident in American media that suggests we're returning to the web series genre format is last week there there was a huge uh, shift of content from a lot of the major streamers. So uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, Netflix, uh, Paramount Plus, they purged 500 plus hours of content. um, So television shows from their platform and gave them to Roku and Tubi Plus. These are fast ad-supported platforms where you can watch for free, but you're going to get an ad for McDonald's in the middle of the show. And this was because these kind of shows were not making them money. And 
if they have to keep playing them on their platform, they're still having to pay out royalties um, to the different unions in the US. So they actually got rid of that content because it was too expensive and not actually still generating the money, which these kind of low budget um, hard comedy shows that are very similar to web series are. So do you want to talk a bit about the kind of, you know, the in the terms of people who on the purchaser side of, of Cold Open, like who are your... Do you have favorite networks or, or studios to work with? You know, wh- where is the sort of, you know, the, the. I mean, obviously, like on some level, it will depend on the the nature of the production and the the showrunner itself. But you know, like who's who's who really is getting the stuff, and what, where are your sort of best relationships? Um, you know, in terms of that 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 side of the piece. Yeah, so it's a combination of studios. So. Um, HBO, Peacock, Warner Brothers, Roku, um, and then also individual producers. So <laughs> that, that's really like that's that's really actually all of the market. But um, anybody who wants to be able to find really great IP where it's currently hard to do so is our market. And a lot of what we do at Cold Open is actually working very closely with the studio to find out what's the kind of content that they want. So we can also really cater it with our sourcing. Um, so this has been a really great learning experience for me as well. Um, initially, I did a New Zealand section on Cold Open and I deleted it because I thought nobody cares. <laughs> and then I was talking to um, a studio here in the US and they said they're really wanting regionalized content. They were like, you're from New Zealand, right? We want to know what's going on in New Zealand, Australia. That's really of interest to us. Um, and no doubt because of the great comedic, comedic minds coming out of New Zealand right now. That's really interesting to me, right? Because you know, the, 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 in some kind of evolved, finished state, to the extent that that's ever even plausibly true, the, you know, there should be a... The democratization impl- implies a sort of region agnosticism, but it still feels like because most of the streamers are headquartered in the US, that that is the, the you know, while there are Netflix, obviously, um, particularly, um, and to a certain extent, Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, are, are increasingly commissioning shows from outside of there, but it still feels like for most countries, you know, the, the local broadcasters are the first board of call, but particularly something like web series where it might be a, an esoteric idea, which doesn't necessarily make a, a, local mainstream network but could have a globalized audience so you know say you're a uh a, an aspiring web series or a current web series creator what what is the you know from new zealand potentially what what is the best way to go from your idea to to, to making a a, a sale or, or getting a commission uh as a new zealand web series creator i would just make really great characters that could scale to full-length television, really think think out what are their characteristics, what are their traits, and pair them with a really incredible ensemble cast who are really different from them that allows for a lot of conflicts that could scale six seasons. I don't think it matters that it's localized at all. I think this is a selling point, and we've seen time after time the fact that it's localized doesn't matter when it's scaled, either just to full length within the country or sold overseas so euphoria was actually and wasn't a web series but it was an israeli tv show 
um, made in 2008 or something like that. And then HBO licensed those rights and then brought it over. They maintained all of those characters. It didn't matter that it was set in Israel originally. All those characters were really what came with the web series and kind of allowed that new revitalization on HBO to continue. So I think it all really comes back to characters and really doing an incredible job with that. And in terms of the the, the genre piece, like almost everything that we've referenced to this point has been in the comedy space, which is obviously like important, but it's all a, a relatively narrow part of the of the streaming universe. Why is it that you think comedy has has proven so portable in that respect? And is there room for and, and has Cold Open worked with successfully with other other genres? I think comedy has been so popular for web series because it's very easy, low budget to make. You don't need incredible lighting to translate tone or the most artful cinematography. If something's funny, if something's funny. And a lot of that can be translated with writing as well. I don't think that limits drama to being successful as a web series. Um, we're working with some really incredible Kyrgyzstan web series filmmakers right now. And they've done an incredible job at making web series that are really dark and incredible. But it just, it takes a little bit more finessing. It's not just picking up your phone and getting and getting your friends together. You really have to think about with the re- resources I have, how do I translate the tone of what I'm doing? Just Just to kind of talk, a bit about your own journey like the fact that you've made it to firstly working studio side and now starting your own company in New York and this like you know to what extent you know like just just talk about your own personal journey from from New Zealand completely disconnected so you know a a long way from where you are now How, how did you make that that uh make that journey I was incredibly optimistic (laughs) Um, I graduated law school and I hopped on a plane to New York and I was like, I'm going to be huge. (laughs) 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 Um, And yeah, I just arrived and I was like, yeah, I'm going to make it work no matter what it takes. And it was just super unglamorous and scrappy to start off with. And I was just doing mental things to get a job because I got a really great piece of advice that if you if you just apply to a job on LinkedIn or any one of those online portals, you're not going to get seen just because there's so many people in America and so many people have a connection to the person hiring. So you're really going to get ignored. So I would dress up as an assistant. And then when someone was walking into a mail room, I would sneak in behind them to get my resume which I searched on LinkedIn for the person who I thought could hire me and get it to these people at the top networks in New York um, and then sneak out again because I was like, this is the best way that they'll be able to see who I am. Um, And I was actually really lucky because it worked and I got hired through fake nepotism as well, um, which is very ironic because there's this whole nepo baby movement in America right now. And I was a fake version of that. Um, But essentially the Australian CEO of Avalon Television replied to my cold note and put me in a meeting with the SVP of production at Avalon. And she thought I was his niece. And that was (laughs) the only reason that she met with me. 
so I turn so I turn up and she's like oh like you're not related to David and I was like oh no like he just he he's put me in this meeting with you and she was like this is so weird because David doesn't like anybody but okay come in and I'm working at this as a PA which is the lowest production position on the totem pole and this NBC show in New Jersey working like 12 to 14 hour days and it's freezing. It's the middle of winter. It's all exteriors, meaning we're shooting outside every day. And I'm like, I really need this job because I need an inside job. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the meeting with her and she's like, I'm so unorganized. I write everything on a post-it note. So as soon as I leave the meeting to go back to my really long 12 hour set job, I go to this really nice stationery store by the office and I buy all these really nice post-it notes and I FedEx them to her straight away with a note that says, if you hire me, I will be the most organized person that you've ever met. And <laughs> luckily it got me my job. That is such a cool and instructive story about how to how to make it <laughs> with with no tools but your own will. Um, it's been so cool talking with you and, uh, yeah, really, really interested to see where Cold Open goes. And I feel like, you know, for a New Zealand audience to know that, uh, that there's someone on the other side of things, like, yeah, there's obviously a big web series community here that it would, would love to scale. So, no, it's, it's wicked to know that uh, there's someone kind of building a bridge uh, for, for it from over there so yeah thanks so much for coming on the fold thank you so much for having me it's been a great conversation that was the fold brought to you by our partners at o media making brands unmissable and public spaces better across aotearoa huge thanks to o media for sponsoring this episode of the fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with kiwis mad that the world burning is not in our like top three concerns you thought bad news was done but i'm back with more and alice sneddon's bad news saves the world i finally address the climate crisis and explore why no one cares watch it on the spinoff.co.nz i can see okay. the anxiety <laughs> starting to emit from you the spinoff podcast network